Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blurb, where the back of a book meets a discerning look. Each week, best-selling author Sally Shields and publishing guru Dr. Kent listen to pitches from five authors vying for Book of the Week honors. Now live, on the air, with vigor and style, are Dr. Kent and Sally, the Bibliophiles. Hey there, Sally. Uh, Dr. Kent here. How are you doing? Hey, Dr. Kent. Nice to talk to you after all this time. So we're back on the air with Blurb, and uh, I'm excited about the show today. We're going to talk to some fiction authors. I'm totally excited, and I know that uh, one of our authors is especially excited that he got chosen today, Mark Hugman. I've been uh, communicating him with email, and he was um, really, really thrilled to know that his book was going to be featured today, so I'm really excited to hear from him. Well, very good, and we always choose five books and five authors um, uh, with their blurbs about their brand new books. Um, some of them are a little bit older than others, but we try to always get people that have uh, fairly new uh, books out there. Uh, tell us what uh, a blurb is. Well, a blurb is something that really wants to create curiosity for the listener so that we want to read more about your book. It's sort of like thinking, what would you put on the back cover copy? of the book, you know, thinking about sort of like the types of hooks that you would use to catch the media's attention, that kind of a thing. And we also um, sort of judge the blurbs by the criteria of bling, clarity, information, and delivery. So there's a lot of things involved that we're going to be looking at to try to help you figure out how to better sell your book because no one's going to do it for you because we've learned that with the industry changing as it is, even the biggest publishing companies will not give you a lot of a publishing help. So we as the authors have to learn how to do our own PR. And this is one venue in which we try to help people sort of vamp up their uh, their PR strategies for, for when they talk to somebody uh, about their book. They have to get real excited about it and, you know, be the expert and really be able to talk about it in an exciting way that makes people want to read your book. So what makes a good fiction book? Well, I'd like to bounce that question back to you. <laughs> I asked you that on purpose because I know you're not a big <laughs> fan of fiction. But well, I, I got to say, it, it, it's starting to chip off. Chip, uh, this show is starting to chip away at your dislike of fiction. Oh, that that is very true. That is very true. What 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 Dr. Kent means is that I'm getting more and more into fiction as we go on because I've been hearing so many cool uh, blurbs about different fiction books, and it's just you know, as a mom, it's really hard to find the time to even read nonfiction, which is basically what I read. And so uh, the thought about, the thought of like, you know, having the time to lounge on a beach and read a fiction novel seems sort of far-fetched to me, but (laughs) that's why it's your job to try to convince somebody like me to read your book. And people have been doing wonderful jobs. I think we had a couple other fiction genre shows on in the past, and I was pleasantly surprised and very intrigued. So let's listen to our first blurb, I think, um, and I think they'll uh, explain the importance of uh, fiction, hopefully, uh, uh, in their blurbs. Let's listen to, um, how about David Michael Slater? Let's listen to his blurb. All right, here we go. Our first blurb of the show uh, on fiction. Blog Talk Radio. Greetings. My name is David Michael Slater. I'm the author of over a dozen picture books, including Cheese Louise, 789, and Ned Loses His Head. My first teen series, Sacred Books, debuted this past year with The Book of Nonsense. Volume 2, The Book of Knowledge, comes out in October. 
You can learn more about me and all my books at www.davidmichaelslater.com. But I'm here to tell you about my first novel for adults. Selfless is a comic drama about identity and the many factors that shape it. Family, friends, race, religion, social class, among many, many others. Jonathan Schwartz is the main character, and we spend a great deal of time with him and his three best friends as they navigate through high school and college in the 1980s. The book depicts adolescent boys in a hysterically graphic but true-to-life way as they focus most of their time and energy on things like Pittsburgh sports teams, Dungeons and Dragons, and filling out charts for rating the girls at school. Categories include face, chest, butt, legs, eyes, hair, clothes, sports ability, and lastly, for tie-breaking purposes, personality. John had two sisters, both serious challenges to his sanity. Nadia, the oldest, is a genius, but she uses her powers to raise the psychological health of anyone and everyone who wanders into her sphere of influence. Olivia, on the other hand, is an outrageous beauty, number one all-time at Taylor Alderdice High School. In fact, when she graduated, the number was nearly retired. There were thus many a school bus conundrum among the John's friends who had to weigh the risks and rewards of stepping foot inside John's house. When Olivia begins to dabble in adult films and Nadia's scheming reaches a fever pitch, John's friendships begin to unravel. John's father is a decorated novelist and an anti-religious crusader who nonetheless has secret meetings with religious leaders in the middle of the night. When he is accused of stealing the books that made him famous, the family comes apart at the seams. Last, but definitely not least, are John's grandparents, Minna and Leon, his mother's father and his father's mother, Holocaust survivors, saddled with some particularly odd tics, the worst of which is Minna's habit of telling anti-Semitic jokes. On a visit to John's Hebrew school class, she tells one of her more heinous favorites, after which the rabbi is dispatched to the Swartz household to intervene. His visit propels into action a story of grand theft, espionage, abandonment, suicide, sexual hijinks, and believe it or not, a quest for true love. You can order Selfless through any bookstore via my website, www.davidmichaelslater.com, or most easily of all, via Amazon. Thanks, and happy reading. Wow. Yeah, wow. That this sounds fascinating to me. I mean, uh, there's some good stuff in there, some really meaty content. I would like to know if this was autobiographical, or <laughs> do writers not like to admit that kind of stuff? Well, I think every great every great novel is to a great extent autobiographical. I mean, where are you going to, you know, you can't pull stuff out of a hat, really, you know. Exactly. Well, this sounds really really the, interesting. Yeah, and the fact that the fact that you asked that question means that hey, we're we're intrigued by this guy and by his book. Absolutely. And just in terms of the what do you think about the four criteria that we had developed with the, the bling? I th- I thought it had plenty of bling. Yeah. It was pretty clear. I mean, we kind of know what it's about, you know, high school boys and they're And he gave us a ton of well, and it's not and it's not just about the high school boys. I think he he's dealing with some major overarching themes and he he sort of went into those with us, which is which is good. And um yeah, he was very clear and he had tons of information for us. I mean, I got to say, you know, in terms of blurbs, uh he used his minutes. 
He did, and he delivered it well as, all, as well. And I like the fact that he did mention a couple of times where people could get the book, get it on Amazon. He mentioned his website a couple times, and that was good. That's part of part of it. You don't want to leave that stuff out because that's that's important for people to know where they can follow up. So he and he, and he had it was kind of an interesting opening because he he started telling us about you know his. I was thinking, oh, maybe he should have been in the children's category because he he said something about his book. Uh, uh, what was it, Cheese Louise or, or something like that, or <laughs> one, one of his children's books, and he mentioned it. And um, uh, you know, Book of thinking, Nonsense. Yeah, and he he's obviously a well you know respected children's author. He's written tons of children's books, um, and so it was it was good that he kind of led with that. Actually, um, I, I thought that was interesting. He, he had my attention. Yeah, it was kind of cool because he didn't just focus. Uh, he didn't just out of the gate start on this book he gave us a little background about himself and then he talked about that this was actually the first adult fiction that he's written and uh, yeah i i found it very interesting and then of course you know not only he talked about the the uh, the character the, the the main protagonist which is the the son but then the two sisters and then the, the parents and and the grandparents so it's really this whole family tree going on in this particular book sounds very interesting Absolutely. Well, so I, I think uh, that was a great blurb to start us out on this fiction show. I don't know. Do you think we're going to hear any other blurbs that are as good? Let's find out. Let's listen to Carla Rieger's fiction blurb here. All right, there, here we go. Family secrets can negatively affect your life unless you clear them. After her father's death, Carla Rieger uncovered a hidden box of mementos, suggesting her father had changed his identity twice in his life. She chronicles her journey of this unusual discovery in a novel entitled The Change Artist. It is a suspense novel with a message of forgiveness and growth for the human condition. A young, change-averse accountant named Fran is in a dead-end, uncreative life. She discovers, however, upon her wealthy father's death that nothing in her life is what it seems, including her father's true identity. From Vancouver to Vienna of today and through the Sahara Desert and carnival entertainers of the past, we take the journey along with Fran as she discovers family she never knew existed, uncovers her father's two hidden lies, and frantically searches for the truth and herself. The change artist blends Carla Rieger's powerful recipe for marrying creativity with integrity along with brilliant storytelling. Many people forgo their artistic, creative impulses because of inherited fears about stepping outside the norm. If you suspect that uncovering the shadows of your family's history might offer more meaning to your life, this book will seize your interest from the first chapter. This is an Indie Award finalist. The genre is literary and historical fiction designed to challenge previously held assumptions about World War II and those affected by it, because the next generation lives with the pain of that wound, whether they are aware of it or not. Many artists, inventors, and brilliant contributors to society were rounded up by Hitler at the time in his desire for totalitarian rule. This totalitarian mindset lives on today, oppressing the creative spirit both within the individual and within society. Fortunately, due to technology, the advent of the Internet, and the ability to self-produce and self-publish, we now have an unprecedented opportunity to contribute our creativity to the global collective. And one of the greatest tragedies happening in the world right now is the fact that people let inherited, unconscious beliefs defeat them on a journey to expressing that creative spirit. 
Carla Rieger is known as a creativity catalyst. She's been running a successful consulting business, the Artistry of Change, for 18 years, and she offers tools to enhance that creative spirit in organizations and individuals. Throughout her life, Carla has walked the talk in embracing creativity and change in both her personal and professional life. From years in comedy improvisation and playwriting, Carla's approach to helping others is unique and entertaining. The Change Artist was written as an artistic format rather than the normal nonfiction format because Carla believes, as Marshall McLuhan once said, that the medium is the message. Uh, why don't you start us out on this one, Sally? Well, I think that, you know, we, we've talked about in the past how when someone does a blurb, it, it, it sounds a little bit um, uh, not, not as, as full of integrity as it could when you talk about yourself in, in the third person. It's a little bit, like, just a little off-putting, tiny bit. I don't know how we would how we said it in the past, but it's something about the third person kind of separates the message from the, what, the book. Do you, do you agree with me? That yeah, well, and I, I also felt, um, you know, really in that same vein, um, she had me at the beginning, and I, I was very interested by, um, you know, her premise, and, and there's a lot to be said for, um, you know, business or self-help books um, in the guise of fiction books. You know, that's a, a, a new thing that was, you know, um, um, started a few years ago. And, you know, it, it, it gets people to read about serious things by thinking they're reading fiction or something like that. Kind of like the it, Da Vinci Code. Uh, well, yes, but more like, you know, the 10-Minute Manager. Isn't it the 4-Minute four, four Manager? What's that book called? The 3-Minute Manager. The 3-Minute Manager? I don't know, some, some, <laughs> some number of minutes. But um, the um, what I what I didn't like about the end of her blurb was that it, it, it felt like to me like she was reading straight off her website or something, you know, and it, it, it was fast, it was hurried, it was, um, you know, it was dense information flying at me, um, and it was very different than the beginning of her blurb. That's true. It did sound like she was reading a press release. That's the feeling that I got. Right. So, well, but, you know, she, she got her information across somewhat. We know what her book's about. Um, uh, it was you know. interesting. I, I mean, I, it started off as a very in, compelling kind of mystery novel. Her father changes identity twice. I mean, that's really interesting for her to wake up and not know who she was. But then it kind of turned a little dark when she started talking about Hitler and World War Two and and I was not exactly sure what direction she was going in with it and how exactly she was uh, – she talked about being a creativity catalyst, which is cool. Um, and she, she's a comedy and improvisation coach and has an entertaining approach. But I was wondering how she was going to pull this all together. Yeah, we could have used, actually, um, you know, a sample from the book or, or something more specifically, you know um, – some credibility things, maybe some testimonials or some uh, reviews or, or something like that. Yeah, didn't she? Uh, she said she was an Indie Award finalist, and I think she did have a quote in there um, from somebody. I, I can't remember it, but um, hmm. that was nice that she she won a, a finalist award. And I'm That's sure, true. yeah, I'm sure that the book is 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 interesting. But I think that we could somehow tighten up the blurb um, so that. Um, um, yeah, I'm just not not sure that it was completely coherent. 
um, in terms of I'm a little confused about the direction of the book. That's all. That, that's all I'm saying. It sounds like a great book, but in terms of knowing exactly what the book is about, in terms of the information and the clarity, maybe the clarity was a little bit clouded because of so many different directions. Well, and I thought the I thought the delivery the delivery could have been better just for me because of that second part of the blurb. It was like this, you know, rapid fire, um, uh, you know, stream of consciousness uh, press release. <laughs> yeah, so, I kind of got that feeling. I like I like the first part of the blurb a lot. Um, I think the second part was just um, a little bit too too much like that. So well, but uh, so it was fun listening to that one. Let's let's uh, go on. Uh, we've we've listened to two. We've got three to go, and um, I'm excited about it. Um, let's listen to um, your favorite so far, uh, Mark Hubman. And tell <laughs> us, you've been you've been chatting back and forth with him. He's he's anxious to hear his blurb. Absolutely. Do you think he does he think he's going to win? Um. We didn't get that far, <laughs> and no promises were made. <laughs> Very nice. Let's listen to Mark Hubman, uh, and uh, let's see see what his blurb is like. Fiction. This is a fiction show today, and we're listening to all fiction blurbs. So here's another one. Love Talk Radio. Love interrupted by war. Letters from distant battlefields. A history rooted in the present. Mark Hubman's fictional tale, Dearest Isabella, was written at a time when communications from the front lines are filled with the same sense of love and longing as those penned by Samuel Ripley, a Civil War soldier, to his wife Isabella more than 140 years ago. Samuel's letters, which have since been stowed away and are now faded and yellowed, mark the only semblance of normalcy in modern-day character Cassandra Loesch's life. Cassandra, whose husband is serving in Afghanistan, finds a sense of camaraderie as she reads each letter lovingly inscribed to Samuel's wife, Isabella. As the story within the letters unfolds, Cassandra sees the parallels between Samuel's past and her present. The letters take Cassandra on a passage through time and cause her to wonder if what she is missing in her emotionally devoid marriage can be found in an office romance. Samuel's letters to dearest Isabella are an ageless reminder that true love never dies, but can reach through time and touch the heart of even the most jaded reader. Despite its roots in romance and its resonance with that genre's readers, Dearest Isabella is not your typical starry-eyed novel. Perhaps my 30 years of reading, memorizing, and otherwise devouring every bit of Civil War facts and figures, chapter and verse, has led me to blaze new trails in the realm of historical literature. My painstaking research on the factual 23rd Pennsylvania Regiment and the soldiers' true-to-life vignettes set the story apart from standard romance novels, and give Dearest Isabella the authenticity sought by serious readers of Civil War history. My expertise coupled with the storyteller's craft allowed me to get inside the heads of our brave soldiers whose call to battle caused them to be separated from loved ones waiting at home. Through his letters, Samuel exemplifies every soldier's heartfelt emotions which transcend time and distance. As he depicts tireless battles and long nights over the campfire, Samuel's heart-wrenching agony over being separated from his beloved wife Isabella 
strike a chord with anyone who has ever loved and been apart from someone dear to their hearts. Even today, more than a century after Samuel Ripley had lived and loved, the soldiers that you see on the evening news all have a story to tell. That story is written in the pages of Dearest Isabella. Hmm. My take on this one, I, I'll start off. I, You know, there's a couple things that rub me the wrong way, and I'll start off with that because there's a lot of great stuff about this blurb. Okay. But a couple things rubbed me the wrong way. One of them is that he used um, uh, Ashokan Farewell by Jay, Jay Unger and Molly Mason, which I I doubt he has permission for. So I, I would say when choosing music, don't use music that uh, is licensed without licensing it. Um, so number one. And number two, I would say there was a lot of self-praise in there. I think you got to be careful about that. Interesting. You know, I I was less concentrating on that and more concentrating on the story. And it was interesting because he started talking about how Samuel's letters and all of this emotion and how his his you know devotion to his beautiful wife Isabella and then how the woman Sandra, the the uh, modern day woman was whose husband was serving in Afghanistan as she was reading the stories and seeing the parallels, and I was getting all sucked in, and my tears were running down my eyes and the music in the background. And then he goes, and and then he says something about, causes her to wonder what she's missing in her emotionally devoid marriage and how an office romance can fill the, the void. I was like, what? <laughs> and that totally threw me. And then for the rest of the blurb, I was like still thinking about that. Huh. Well, that's interesting. Um, so... You know, but it did it did definitely hold some interest for you, which is which is good. Up until that point, <laughs> and then yeah, I was I, like, "Wait a minute, this is supposed I, to be a feel good." But but it was interesting. So, but you were distracted by that. I was distracted by. I, it just felt like the, the the praise for his own book. You know, oh, this is the greatest book you'll ever read. It, it describes the lives of any soldier. You know that that sort of, that lives today. You know, I. And it was it was just very very over the top. I think you got to be careful when um, when describing the book. I mean, use instead use some quotes about the book from others. Use um, you know sparingly your own words to to praise it. I do want to con- you know I sort of want to congratulate him for all of the hard work that he did in terms of you know the authenticity of the Civil War history and everything because that does take a lot of research and a lot of time and dedication to that and um i you know i do appreciate that that he's been you know that he was really trying to be authentic with with his writing so what about where where can we find his book online well that's a good point i mean we know it's on amazon you and i know it's on amazon because the criteria for being on the show is that it has to be available on amazon but you're right we we didn't get a website and we didn't get information about that so that's true and um i mean you know i think it could have been um a little more of uh, you know it, it it sounded to me like a, a little more like a commercial and a little less like a blurb that um you might tell someone if you sit down and you have 3 minutes of their time right well that's a good point we do want uh, these blurbs to really create a lot of curiosity and we want you to be telling us about the book and getting us excited about the book. And I think it started off really, really well. 
and there was something in the middle that that just threw me off a little bit but it does sound like an intriguing story and i think that it just could be tightened up a little bit in terms of um in terms of the the information absolutely i i think uh you know it's a catchy title um is a catchy concept i wish he had chosen some other music that wasn't you know straight out of a ken burns special but you know he he um you know he he definitely got our attention indeed so let's listen to another one um and uh, this is by maxine flam uh again another fiction blurb today we're doing all fiction blurbs and uh i'm excited to hear this one here we go Good day, Blog Talk Radio listeners. My name is Maxine Flam, and I am the author of a new fictional novel entitled Unglorious War. Unglorious War is a love story between a Special Forces officer and a Navy nurse during the Vietnam War. Our hero, Major Thomas Smith, returns seriously injured to Hawaii for rehabilitation. He meets and falls in love with our heroine, Navy nurse Marla Bristol. Thomas has been asked to return to Vietnam and has to decide if he will go back, but his heart says he wants to spend the rest of his life with Marla and leave the military. Marla has managed to keep her emotions under control, but finally succumbs to Thomas's charm. She is frightened he will return to Vietnam and they will never see each other again. A glorious war is filled with the raw emotions of the main characters as they cope with loving one another and America and what to do about returning to Vietnam. This book could have been written about two people during any conflict, including Afghanistan and Iraq, but I chose Vietnam because I met many Vietnam veterans and felt their stories weren't being told. My writing credentials include being a guest columnist for the Los Angeles Daily News since 1999. I'm a veterans' rights advocate and on the board of directors for Veterans for Constitutional Law Limited, a nonprofit organization that is politically active, which fights for laws that will improve the conditions of veterans. My genre is fiction, but since the book takes place 42 years ago, I would categorize it as historical fiction. The theme of the book is romance and the sexual tension that builds between the two characters. But there is a subplot of the two characters not knowing God, but seeking him each in their own way. I see the book beginning as two people who are pro-military, willing to give their lives to the service of their country. About halfway through, their attitude begins to change. So in actuality, this is an anti-war book, hence the name Unglorious War, with unglorious meaning unsuccessful, disgraceful, and shameful, all three names describing the Vietnam War to a T. Why read Unglorious War? Unglorious War is about real people whom you are able to share their passion, share their love for each other, share their journey to seek God while being involved in a war, and finally, to take a ride into America's past, into a war where the United States was not the great liberator, unlike World War II. The people of America did not support Vietnam like World War II, where the country rallied around our boys. Unglorious War shows you how politics then, like politics now, shaped the government's thinking and shows you how many men came back from Vietnam wounded while some never came back at all. Wow. Yeah. My my take again, um, I, I was distracted um, a couple of times because I felt like she was reading, um, and she zoomed through things as if she was reading quickly. Um, I feel like there's 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 something to delivery of a blurb. Make us make us at least 
think that you're delivering it to us um, live in person. I think be careful not to sound like you're you're reading it. That's true. I mean, three minutes is quite a long time. We've talked about this before. You know, I'm I'm the uh, the I, I really love elevator pitches, and I coach people on how to create their elevator pitches, and those are between 15 and 20 seconds tops. They're about three sentences long, and they're designed to get across the information about your book in, in three sentences or less. And, of course, this is a very, very different type of medium where you have three minutes, which is an eternity. So you have to really find a way to continue creating curiosity while having all of this space to really tell the audience what your book is about. So it's kind of an interesting dichotomy between having all this time to do it and yet distilling the information down into a point where you're not giving it all away and at the same time creating a curiosity for the listener so that they're intrigued and not distracted. So it's, it's not an easy thing, creating a good blurb. So um, what, what, you know, what is the difference when we're doing promotion as authors or, um, you know, I, I'm really coming from the position of working with authors more than being an author, um, but what what is um, the first thing you tell somebody when you're on the telephone and you've got 10 seconds? What's the first thing you tell somebody? Oh, wait. So, sorry, Dr. Ken. I just had a little mommy moment. Hi, baby. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, you're hungry? Hey, can you go down with Jake? <laughs> sorry. Sorry, audience. Can we love we love mommy moments. <laughs> and I, you know, my point was in, in talking about, you know, when you've got an elevator speech, it's 30 seconds long. You've got a blurb now, which is three minutes long. And that's a long time. It's a lot of information that you can pack in there. And then you've got your, your 10-second moment, which is your telephone call, or you've got your, your um, elevator speech, uh, which is the length of an elevator ride. Uh, is your mommy moment over? Can we, can we talk about it? Yep, I have I have I have a uh, person here to help me out, but my three year old cool. insisted on seeing me. But they're apparently they're downstairs and making toast, so we're good, we're good to go. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> we all like toast. <laughs> well, yeah, toast is good. All right. So I mean, you know, if you've got that ten seconds, I mean, Sally Shields, the author, of course, of the daughter-in-law rules. What would your ten seconds be? My ten seconds would be. My name is Sally Shields, and the name of my book is The Daughter-in-Law Rules. My vision is to create more harmony among 20 million mothers and daughters-in-law by teaching brides and wives the art of making friends with their husband's mother. And I can reveal the three things that everyone can do to create a lifetime of wedded bliss with their husband and the other woman in his life, his mother. So basically what you want to do is in three sen- the first sentence you want to say what your name is and what the name of your book is. And er- everybody can do that. So two-thirds of your elevator sp- speech is already written. The next sentence basically is your vision. You want to distill down what is your vision and how are you going to – what is your plan for, for um, communicating your vision? And the third sentence, which you, is really designed for trying to get booked on the radio, what you want to do is try to solve a problem for somebody. You want to let people know how, what's in it for them. What can you do for them? What problems can you help people solve? So what can you reveal that will make somebody's life easier or more interesting or better or whatever the problem is that you're helping them solve? So it's three quick sentences. If you were to meet Steven Spielberg or Oprah Winfrey in an elevator and you had 10 or 15 seconds, that's what you need to be able to pull out of the hat. And and and, and yeah. with a with a long blurb, you know, I think uh, what's what's interesting. We don't want to really reveal, you know, our secret our secret uh, 
method to the perfect blur, but you can listen back on our website, which is blurbradio.com. You can listen back to the old winners and figure out what kind of blurbs that we like. Um, but one of the big features is, hey, you know, up front, tell us what's going on. You know, the New York Times, their first paragraph tells you the whole deal in that first couple seconds. You know, draw us in. Make us interested. Tell us what your book title is. Tell us who you are. What's it about? Tell, tell us all that in that first 15, 20 seconds. And see, this is the moment where the elevator gets stuck and you've got two and a half more minutes <laughs> to fill Steven Spielberg in on the rest. Right, before he falls asleep or, you know, just gets out on a different floor before he's supposed to. <laughs> it's exactly. true. I mean, you've got like a lot of time and um what you what I've learned what I learned through the course of getting media trained about my book is that you really need to learn to speak in sound bites. And that's basically coming up with and I don't know how this really um can relate to fiction in terms of nonfiction because I've always sort of worked with nonfiction on this, but you know, there are messaging points in fiction. I'm sure of it. There are, there are very specific messaging points. And you need to come up with two or three very, very specific messaging points or even one. What is your main message? What is it that you want the reader to know and come away with? And once you have figured out what your message is, then you can come up with sort of shorter sound bites. They call them sound bites, where you can very quickly and very succinctly explain to somebody what your vision is and what you're exactly trying to get across. And I always like to tell this story about the first time I did a radio interview and um, afterwards uh, the, the woman said, you know, I really like your message, Sally, but you could really do with some media training. I was like, oh, really? How, how so? She's like, just just trust me on this one. So I went back later after I got media trained and listened back to the interview and it was something like, hi, well, yeah, I'm Sally, and gosh, I, I got married, and, you know, I had these kids, and I had this career as a jazz pianist, but I couldn't travel after I had the kids, and my mother-in-law was coming over, and she was really starting to upset me, and blah, 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 and it's like, nobody wants to hear all that, and after I got media trained, basically the same question was asked, you know, how, why did you write this book, and my answer was very different, which was, I wrote this book to save other young wives years of needless contention. I figured if I could help, if I could help save the other, um, wait, now I'm getting confused. Like basically, I'm trying to think of what I, what the messaging point was. But the book is based on the seventh spiritual law of success, which is the quickest way to get what you want is to help others get what they want. By being a kind-hearted, sensitive, loving, open person, the world will reflect that back to you, even in the form of your mother-in-law. So it sort of became less personal and more of a messaging, a universal message. And that's basically what, what I learned to do through media training. So that's a good thing that, that you can kind of keep in mind when you are creating blurbs, even as a fiction author. So, you know, and there's, there's other points. You know, one of them is I, I fall asleep quickly. I'm... You know, I, I, I think Sally and I have different. We have different things that trigger us. Uh, um, but my sleep factor is pretty high. And if you if you um, start rocketing off information about yourself, I'm gone. I'm I'm thinking about the lunch I'm going to have later on. I'm thinking about you know uh, my big old sandwich with extra pickles and mustard. I mean, you got to keep me into it. You know, in this world of media, if you if I give you three minutes, that's like a lifetime. It is. And here's the other thing. Media people are so busy. 
I mean, literally, what I learned when I started to book myself on the radio is that if you didn't capture their attention in the first sentence or two, you would know very quickly if they were interested or not, and you'd get hung up on, you, you could get hung up on pretty darn quick. They are so busy. They, they're barraged with hundreds of emails a day, and they just don't have the time. So you've got to even ramp up the excitement level in your voice. Now, we've talked about this before, that not everybody has to be like, hey, you know, really enthusiastic sounding like I naturally feel like I have that going on but sometimes people aren't naturally like that and that's fine you can match the tone of your voice with your authenticity of of your message and obviously if it's a more of a darker subject matter then you're not going to want to be like hey but um but you still do need to have a little bit of a bling when you're when you're delivering information because you need to you know you need to be clear and you need to be succinct and you need to enunciate everything and you don't want to speak too too quickly or too slowly you just kind of have to be right in the middle and you have to really speak up and be clear and get people's attention cuz you're up against a lot of people just even doing this radio show that one horror query that we put out I literally had 400 people write to me in that day, and this is 400 authors that just happen to be a part of a service that are interested in getting their book out. And every single year, I think it used to be something like 180,000 people put out books a year, and I think it's something like up to 240. So I think it's, there I think it's up to even three or 400,000. That that you know when I did the math once, I think that comes out to something like seven books, a, an average of seven books a day are published. So you can't just sit there and be like hum dum drum drum drum. You got to think about it and work on these deliveries and and messaging points and really, you know, think about getting media trained and think about being able to speak in sound bites because obviously the point of writing and maybe this applies less to fiction authors than it does to to nonfiction, but even with the nonfiction people, you still you, you want more than your next door neighbor and your aunt. Aunt Lou from Ohio and your cousin down the street to be reading your book. You want the greater world to be interested, and you've got to find a way to get people interested. And the only person that has the type of passion and dedication about your book is you. It's funny because people often hire PR people, and I always say, you know what? I'd rather you do your own PR because there's only two things that you need to be a successful author, and that is having a passion for your topic and a sincere desire to help people. And nobody's going to have a passion for your topic like you do. Nobody. So you could, you know, sick a PR person on your thing who's going to maybe send out a, a generic press release here or there, but it's not the same as you getting on the phone and saying, listen, this is what my book is about. Here's my vision. Here's why I wrote the book. And this is what you will learn. And being very, very clear and succinct and excited and enthusiastic about it. So I'm I'm enthusiastic and excited about our fifth blurb of the day, uh, and and then I guess uh, we're going to talk to uh, the the winner from last show, Frankie. And I think that she might be is she with us yet? Can't it tell. looks like it, yeah. And uh, her book is called Midlife Mojo, and and we're going to talk to Frankie Picasso about that. That's going to be a blast. But let's listen to our last blurb about fiction on our uh, fiction show today. Uh, his name is Scott Haidt, and here's his blurb. Finch. Now available, O-Y-L, a debut young adult fiction novel from author and teacher Scott Haidt. In the courtyard of Jenna Durstein's apartment complex, where blades of grass are at a premium, there grows a tall, majestic apple tree. Nearby Grayson High, where Jenna is now a freshman, Her infatuation grows for the perfect apple lingering just beyond her fingertips. 
But when an intruder invades campus, Jenna must face her haunting past, must forgive her mother for the unforgivable, and must ultimately decide if love that's out of her league is worth the climb. In addition, as Jenna Durstein shows in OYL, trees are a life-sustaining force. With that in mind, American Forest is proud to partner with Scott H. Books in an effort to ensure trees are planted in the right place for the right reason. One dollar from each book purchase will be donated to American Forests, allowing the planting of one tree in California where wildfires have devastated the countryside. One book, one dollar, one tree. Visit www.scotthbooks.com for more information. Oh, man, it was great. I wanted more. Oh, my gosh. That was so cool. I mean, that was less than a minute. That was like a, like a long elevator pitch, but like definitely not a three-minute blurb. But, but it, it was, was so really good. cool. I mean, the, it was really good. The last line, you know, the the one, what was it, one? One tree, one book, one dollar, one tree. Oh, so great. And then he also, uh, in that same pitch, he pulled us in because he was talking about it's connected to, uh, you know, he's going to give. American Forests. Right, and he's going to give money uh, from when people purchase a book. They're going to give a tree, and oh, it's so cool. So good. I mean, this is something that I coach people to do. You know, team up with a nonprofit organization. I, you know, I've done that same thing with the, the National Breast Cancer Foundation, and it's just fantastic because when you connect with a nonprofit, you basically open up your channels to like I, I say it's like you know like a little uh, you know stream all of a sudden being getting access to the ocean. And it's such a fantastic idea. See, this is the difference between what a successful author does and what an author who maybe sells a few hundred books in the course of the book's lifetime does. When you connect with something like that, that is the type of thing that a million-dollar author does. I'm really proud of Scott for doing that. And even even the, the story of the book, I like, he had me when he talked about um, – he was a freshman. She was Jenna Bernstein was a freshman. She must forgive her mother for the unforgivable. And all of a sudden, he's created curiosity because I want to know what her mother did. What was that unforgivable thing that she did? And of course, then he goes into saying that trees are a life-sustaining force, and what's happening with his nonprofit. But wow, I I, I liked it. I just he could have gone on. Yeah, I, I wanted more. I mean, uh, you know, it was it was beautiful. He really had us at the end, but I, I, he, he could have done so many things with it. He could have read a little bit out of the book. He could have told us more. He could have said, here's where to buy it, you know, um, repeated the title a couple more times, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But it was, it was really well done. So I'm, I'm excited to talk to, to Frankie Picasso. How about you? Me too. So do we have Frankie on the line? Hello, is Frankie on the line with us? I think she might be, and maybe she's paying attention to something else. So, um, do you remember the blurb from last week, Sally? Oh my gosh, let me try to remember. I think I do. I think I do. It was something well, me, about. Well, let me. How about I'll refresh your memory? Let's play Perfect. it again. What do you think? I'd love that. So this is this is from winner Frankie Picasso. Let's listen to her blurb uh, from a few weeks ago. Hi, my name is the unstoppable coach, Frankie Picasso, and I specialize in the impossible. I turn the impossible into mission unstoppable, and I'm going to help you find your mojo and get it working again. My book is called Midlife Mojo, How to Get Through Your Midlife Crisis and Emerge as Your True Self. Mojo comes from the African word moyo, and it means life force or soul. 
My book, Midlife Mojo, is your prescription for change that requires no drugs, pills, or mind-altering substances, but it does require your willingness to let go of negative self-talk, self-doubt, fears, and commit to living the life you came here to live. This book will spark action and change. It will help you find the answers to your questions, no matter what they are, and I promise that it will aid you in achieving peace of mind. It's strategic, pragmatic, and spiritual. How is that possible, you say? Well, I didn't want to make it too woo-woo and turn off those who don't believe the universe sent them, but for those who do, the references are there to comfort you. Midlife Mojo is not your typical self-help book or a how-to book. It is a to-do book. I speak not only through my extensive education, but my life-altering experiences as well. How many of you are asking, why am I here? What is my purpose? What is the meaning of life? Well, I figured out that this is what the midlife crisis is all about. It's the time we go through our metamorphosis. It's the time we wake up and remember that we came here with a job to do. The crisis is where we break out from our socialized self and become the person we were always meant to be. There is no universal purpose to life. Each of us has our own reason for being here, and I believe it's our responsibility to not only use your God-given talents to find happiness and joy in our own lives, but to help others find it too. So many of us are afraid to live the life we want, to leave the habitual comfort that has become our lives, and take that step to the place where in our hearts we know happiness lies. My book gives you the permission to go there, to live the life you were meant to live, and it's a step-by-step -step guide that will teach you how to choose to live life by choice rather than default. The book is filled with coaching techniques, exercises, and humor. It is our book because it was written with you in mind, and each chapter has a specific purpose and builds on the previous. I'm right there by your side to hold your hand, coach you to find the truths that live inside you, the underlying commitments that hold you back from life. I teach you how to break the chains that bind you, and I gently push you, okay, sometimes I shove you, to work through your fears, exchange your negative self-talk for positive thinking, and I help you find the faith in yourself to know that if you jump off that cliff, you're going to fly. I've been championing folks to be unstoppable for a long time, and this is one little book, Midlife Mojo, that you will arise from midlife angst to find the true meaning of life. Author Frankie Picasso, Midlife Mojo, How to Get Through the Midlife Crisis and Emerge as Your True Self, Nonfiction. What a great blurb. It was awesome. Now, I was, I was in the chat room with Frankie, and she said that she um, was having trouble getting in, but she's going to call back, like, literally in about one minute. So we should have her on the line soon. Wonderful. Well, you know, and what were the, what, what were the things that made that a great blurb? Well, you know, it's, it's, she used her whole time, uh, and she didn't put me to sleep. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, it was really good because any anyone can relate to that. I mean, look, there's something in that for everybody, wanting to, uh, you know, willing to let go of self-doubt and fears. And I mean, it's it's universal, wanting to spark action and change, aid you in achieving peace of mind, and uh, the metamorphosis and the happiness and all of these all of these buzzwords that everybody's like, yeah. You know, you know really I, I wouldn't have said I wouldn't have said it's universal because for me, like I'm not into this this style of books, just like you're not into fiction as much. Right. But I know that I mean, anytime you do a blurb, you're going to want to hit your target market, and her exactly. target market is all kinds of people that are into that stuff. And when she even said, "Oh, it's not with it's not full of all that woo woo stuff," but immediately when she brought that up, it attracted people that are into kind of the woo woo stuff. Well, interesting. I mean, you know the old the old adage that I love, which is, you know, try try to please everyone and you please no one. So, yeah, exactly. yeah it's 
it's absolutely great. Now, let's check out. Frankie, are, are you on the line now? It seems like she's in. She called in and looks like she's there with us. Looks like she's having phone issues or something. Or, yeah, or, I can't or, hear her. Very interesting. Well, so we'll keep trying her. Uh, are you there, Frankie? Nope, she hung she up again. Hung so up. let's see what see what we can get. And um, but let's keep let's keep thinking about it. You know, she's what makes a perfect blurb. You know, what makes a perfect elevator speech? What would what would convince you, Sally, to support an author um, if they were to to call you up on the telephone and take your precious mom time? You know, you're in the middle of you know driving your kid to school. You're in the car in the middle of New York City, and you get this phone call. You're like, man, I, I really only have ten seconds. Give it to me. Basically, I want to know. I want to know the, what the name of the book is. I want to know what the vision is, like we talked about before, and I want to know what's in it for me. What problem can you solve for me? Tell me what problem you can solve for me. How can you make my life better? How can you tell me, let me in on a little secret that that I haven't found before? And you know what and, part of that is too is is. You also have to tell me why I'm talking to you. Like, what can I do for you? Right, exactly. And what makes you the expert? Why you? Because everybody knows there's been tons and tons of books written on almost every subject imaginable, which is why if you're ever talking to a media person, please never say this is the first book of its kind because immediately you'll be disqualified in terms of credibility because everything's been written about i don't care how unique you think you are it's been written about so yes you may have your own unique twist and that's a completely different story tell me why your way of saying is of telling the story is different than all of these other people's ways what is your unique angle what is your unique twist what do you bring to the table what makes you the expert and what makes you unique Let's see if we have Frankie Picasso on the line. Are you there? I'm here. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Fabulous show. Hi. We're doing I'm so well. glad you're here. Yay. Thank you. Yay. I figured it out. <laughs> and so we're, we're, we're talking to Frankie Picasso, and she's the author of Midlife Mojo. Great title. And uh, she won uh, Blurred Book of the Week uh, several weeks ago before we took our little uh, summer break. So congratulations. There you go. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was wonderful. Uh, I was in good company, so <laughs> I was surprised. And, and what was the process like for you of of, of crafting that three minute blurb? Um, it was it was lots of fun because I wanted to make sure that everything that folks needed to understand and to learn about the book, you know, to make them want to buy the book was there. And it was because it was nonfiction. It's a, in some ways it's a little more difficult. In other ways, it's not fiction. You know, you can really bring people in through through your storyline. But this 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 book is about them. This book is is work for them. <laughs> so it's a little bit different. You have to entice them to want to do it. So if you had, what if you had, instead of three minutes, if you had ten seconds, and if I were to say to you, what's your book about? Do you have that all, all uh, on the tip of your tongue? Well, I, I can try, really. I'll, I'll try. <laughs> my, my book is it's a to-do book, and it's a step-by-step prescription for change. And it's going to take folks who are going through the midlife crisis and explain to them what it really is and how it's going to transform and transition them into being the person that they really want to be. Wow, it's beautiful. Absolutely. And I think you, you know, in in that few number of seconds, uh, you really were able to turn me around. So, have you had media training? <laughs> I'm sorry? Have you had media training? No. 
I, I mean, I have my own radio show, but I haven't had formal media training, no. Sally, are you there? Yep, I'm here. I'm here. I was just trying to ward off another mommy moment. So I was <laughs> temporarily distracted, but I was listening in. <laughs> well, and, and it, Sally was talking about she, she went uh, at the very beginning, you know, the, the process of learning how to speak to the media. I mean, uh, uh, Frankie Picasso here was able to, in 15 seconds, really pull me into her book. And and she was able with her three minute blurb to really turn our heads as well. What, I mean, where do, where do you use all this stuff in different situations? You use the stuff in my book. Well, no, I'm, I'm I mean, a master no. coach. The, the media, oh. the media stuff. Like where you know where could you use that three minute blurb? Oh wow, where could I use that? Um, well, geez. Hmm. Now you got me stuck. I'm on. I'm online here. Um, well, I definitely use it on my own shows. That's for sure. Um, anytime I'm talking to anybody, giving a speech somewhere through face. I mean, it doesn't have to just be the verbal, but it could be the verbal. It goes on my website. It could go on Facebook. It can go on, you know, Twitter it out there. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> I, I totally. Go ahead, I Sally. Say, what? I was just. I was just going to say, and also, just if you, if pe- people listening can hear. The excitement and the passion in Frankie's voice, and it just pulls you in. It's just like it has just a little bit of, it's got the passion and the desire. You can tell that she's really, really interested in helping people, and she has the passion for her topic, and that comes through in the timbre of her voice, and that's really, really important. So I really like like that. And tell us more about about yourself, uh, where we can find your book and, and all of that stuff now. So in case folks are tuning in, uh, tell us where we can find out more about you. Love to. Okay, they can they can get the book at www.midlife-mojo.com if you want an autographed copy, or you can get it at um, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com online, or you can visit me at the Institute for Quantum Living. Dot com. And I like to say, Ken, if I just could, that I champion people with impossible dreams to have unstoppable outcomes. And that's my elevator speech, uh, my true one. <laughs> and, and that's what it's all about. I chose midlife this time because I looked at my contemporaries and realized that if they don't get it right now and get it, meaning have a happy life, it's going to be you know, really difficult to get it in another 20 or 30 years um, when they're no longer here. So that's just my passion is that I want everyone to find their purpose and be happy. And tell me, I really would love to know how you came up with the concept for your cover. I mean, it is so funny and so different from anything of the oh other. Oh, my gosh, Sally. You know like what? That. To be honest with you, I chose a different picture, and they said it was going to cost me $5,000 to use it. Huh. So then I thought, okay, change, you know. Who changes? We all, all girls grow, you know, kiss the frog and he turns into a prince, kiss, you know, the princess, she turns into a frog. So I thought, okay, frogs have always been synonymous with change. And so we're going to change our life. We're going to change from that frog into the person that we were really meant to be. And that's kind of, you know, what we are. It's, it's a, just, I, 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 it. Maybe we should just describe for people in the last couple of minutes here. It's, it's a really, really funny picture of a, of a frog that, that has sort of a prince's crown on it. And he's got, is he wearing glasses there? Does that frog? Uh, not glasses. He's just got funny eyes. <laughs> oh, that's just so cute. I just loved it yeah. for a second. I thought, you're right. They're bulging eyes. He's got this crown on him. And he looks like, he almost looks like a crab. But um, it's really I funny. I think it's you really clearly cool. you clearly have a great fan in Sally Shields. <laughs> oh, yeah, Sally's great, uh, and Sally has just such amazing excitement. You two are such a wonderful duo together. I just absolutely love it. So I, think, I, think great Sally, I think what you're implying is that <laughs> Sally has great excitement, and I'm and I'm sarcastic and and cutting. <laughs> and that's what, yeah, you know, like you're the bad guy. She's the good cop. You know, it just really works. <laughs> 
think it's a great. It really does. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. And, and just for Cam, folks, I'm sorry. I'm, go ahead. I was just going to tell Cam. Cam, do you remember Cammy Gray? How you thought she was sort of my long lost cousin? Well, I feel like Frankie could be my 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 other long lost cousin. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I could be Sally's mother <laughs> in law. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> That's but, too funny. But there's there's real you know I think uh, one of the one of the things that people teach uh, people when they're singing you know sing with a smile and you can hear it you know I, I think one of the one of the great things about these blurbs and and about hearing people on the air and you know the, also the difference between Sally and my personality when we're speaking on the air is you know when do you smile when do you not smile you know you can you can really bring your soul through in these uh uh brief radio interviews that you do and now you're a host online as well tell us about your radio show that's right. I have a show. I have a couple shows. Mission Unstoppable. Um, I interview people who have been unstoppable in their life. I've got Conversation with My Shoes, which is a show where I bring people on from around the world who who um, have changed their lives and are now changing the lives of other people. And I, Midlife Mojo, which was based after my own book, uh, Midlife Mojo, so people in midlife. So those are my shows. And I have a couple new ones starting in the fall, so I'm really excited. One's a music show, Sally, so I'm definitely going to have to cut, have you come on um, with that show because, I, you know, man, your, your stuff is just awesome. And um, I have another one called The 50-Second Solution Strategist, and that's going to be where people can call in with their problems, and we're just going to laser coach them through it really fast. Excited. What did you say, really laser, laser coach? Laser coach. So laser, laser coach is like a really quick 15, you know, 20-second kind of coaching. Huh. Boom, done. That's Change like the life. elevator. It's like the elevator speech of coaching. Exactly. Yeah, like that's the, it. You got it. Like the Twitter of coaching. Yeah, I, like I have that. seen people change in, in in a nanosecond with coaching. You know, therapy takes years, but coaching it's just a perspective change. If you, they can change their perspective in one second, boy, life is different. You know, that's amazing. That kind of reminds me of O Shift and what um, what our friend did did for you know what what she's working with. And I experienced that when I had my session with with um, Jennifer Flowers. Yeah, and yep. it's true. It's like somebody can give you a perspective change, and boom, you can be thinking about something in a in a completely different way, and can really propel yourself forward. Well, it's been it's been great talking to to um, our winner from the last show, uh, Frankie Picasso, and uh, her book is called Midlife Mojo. And uh, we love talking to people live on here. Otherwise, we're just listening to canned blurbs all day, and that's not fun. <laughs> Thank you both so much, Kent and Sally. Thank you again for having me on and for be- having me be the winner. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, tune in uh, to Blurb next week. Uh, we're always going to be on Fridays at 1230 uh, uh, now. Uh, we've got a new time. Absolutely. This is a, a really great thing. So, um... <laughs> um happy to be here in the daytime exactly so we'll, we'll be here on the web at uh, blurbradio.com or uh, tune into our show and then we'll be here for you every week uh, this fall bye everybody <laughs> <laughs>